What's the email address? Why why would you do that? ATBanterPodcast at gmail.com. I did that because I didn't even hear if it came out clearly. I was muttering. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, I am Rob Minot, and today I am joined by Steve Barkley. Shalom. Woohoo! And Ryan Flurry. Hey there. And hey, you know, once again, we are recording from our new studios. Did we mention we're in our new studios? We are in our new studios. Again. The dungeon. That's right. <laughs> the guitar dungeon. <laughs> yes. Actually, I like that. I like that nickname. The guitar, guitar dungeon? dungeon? Yeah. All right. We're keeping it. It's the guitar dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll see. And that'll be the first post. I gotta t- I'll take some. Okay, Ryan, I will promise I will take some pictures yeah. of the guitar dungeon. All right. And I'll create an Instagram account. Excellent. And we'll, there'll be our first post. There you go. Great. Now we're going to have to do a live show. Live from the guitar <laughs> dungeon. <laughs> it's AT banter. <laughs> oh, did I just say on the air again oops (laughs) time to get fired as long as there's no scotch involved we'll be okay scotch good idea (laughs) always scotch always innovating ryan uh how has everybody's week been oh just swell jim dandy it's tuesday the week's okay so far yeah it's true there is that still early yeah there's plenty of time for this week to go sideways (laughs) there is yeah. Um, hmm. But hey, first day of yes. spring yesterday. It was nice outside. It was lovely. The sun was shining. And then it promptly turned around and turned <laughs> to crap today. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks, yes, spring. It did. Was that it? No, that wasn't it. As long as we don't get snow again, I'll be happy. Yeah. No, no. The, the the other day when we had the thunderstorms, that was Thor chasing the ice giants <laughs> away. And we, we will get no more no more snow. Thank goodness. Thanks, Thor. Yeah. Yeah, all hail Thor. Is Thor, is, is Thursday named after Thor? Is yes, that, yes, yeah, indeed. That's yep. what I thought. And Wednesday's after Odin, Woden's Day. Yeah, see, Wednesdays you generally suck. Thursdays are nice. I like Fridays. Well, Friday, who's Friday? Frigga. What is she? What's her deal? I think I think she was Thor's wife. Was she Thor's wife? I don't remember. We'll to look she her was, up. She was she, hot anyways. We know she, she was, was hot. hot. <laughs> and she's the best day, really. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Your mythology wrap up. Uh, that was the educational portion of today's show. Well, what the hell are we doing, Ryan? Today we are talking with a voice actor named Valerie Hunter. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Uh, right up there with um, last time we talked with Diane from um, Descriptive Video Works. Descriptive Video Works, which is we we had some eye-opening revelations there. Not the least of which was there is such a thing as described porn. Pornhub. So, if you're interested. 
Well, and why wouldn't you be? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's true. So speaking of actually described video, like, so you were mentioning you watched Iron Fist over the weekend, right, Ryan? I did, yep. Uh, and so how is the described video in that? It was really good. Um, the, the male voice actor was very descriptive on every scene, uh, very detailed, so it was very easy to follow and understand what was actually going on when there was no dialogue other than all the martial arts kicks and punches. But, you know, he described the scenery, you know, sky's blue, snow's white, plane going down. Um, it was very well done. So is there a way in Netflix to, to sort um, it's the stuff that is described? Not really sort, but if you just do a search for, um, I think, descriptive video or described, it brings up a list of everything that is described. So you're not really sorting it. Like, it's not sorted by TV action or right. comedy or anything. There's just a section for descriptive. But at least there's a way to actually see what there see is. See what yeah. is available where. But, I, but I'm assuming that all the new shows that are coming out uh, have described video. So far, yeah. Yeah. I haven't checked out Riverdale yet. That's my next on my uh, list. Don't bother. No? Why? No. I would like Archie Comics. Yeah, and this has nothing to do with Archie Comics. Oh, really? Comics. It's, like a, it's like a dark, gritty reboot of Archie the Archie universe. I don't oh, understand really? what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's like, okay, let's take all of the characters' names and use them in a way utterly unlike the comics. Oh, is that right? I'll check it out anyway. Archie's have had an affair with Mrs. Grundy, for God's sakes. <laughs> what? Yes. Really? He oh. had an affair with Mrs. Grundy. Uh. I'll check out at least the first episode and see if it catches me. Mrs. Grundy's supposed to be old. <laughs> yeah. She's not. She's young and hot. And that's just not right. Is Mr. Weatherby in it? Mm, I'm not sure I ever ran into Mr. Weatherby. Oh, yay. Hmm. Or Ethel? Ethel. Um, I <laughs> I, I got I got one episode in and it's like no I'm out oh is that right yeah, yeah. well uh, to, although to be fair I don't think we're th we're the right demographic I get the feeling it's for twenty something uh, no it's less than twenty something my my sixteen year old <laughs> daughter is into it uh, largely because she's got a major uh, crush on Jughead oh is that right, right. Yeah. That's yes funny. emo which, Jughead which come on nobody's supposed to have a crush that's on Jughead. right no no unless you're well, Ethel isn't I. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but isn't Jughead supposed. I can't remember if this is in the comics or if this is in the show, but apparently Jughead is now um, asexual. Not asexual. What's, what's the word? Uh, androgynous. Sure. Okay. No, I'm serious. Yeah. I'm dead serious. Hmm. Like, well, you can Google it, folks. <laughs> you folks can on Google the internet. It. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I, I heard a rumor that hmm. Jughead is now officially androgynous. He only he's just into hamburgers, apparently. Well, that's 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 good. That's what he should be. Actually, I don't know if he's still into hamburgers, but he's definitely androgynous. So, anyways, I don't know how we got into Archie comics, but well, it went like this: we started off with Netflix, uh, <laughs> describe video, Netflix, Iron Fist, and then Riverdale. That's right. 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 There's your timeline. <laughs> <laughs> right? Did you did you did you watch Stranger Things? I watched the. F half of the first episode and bailed really yeah. and but now was that described i don't remember if i had my descriptive on or off i might have to check it you might go back should, again and check it out if it if it is described you should give it another shot it's actually yeah. pretty good yeah it's a pretty good show is it yep all yeah, right I'd recommend it you should do that next okay so skip riverdale skip riverdale yep. yeah. yeah straight on to stranger it's, things all right yeah yeah way good better call. way more our speed yeah okay done 
All right. Well, okay. Well, you know what? I guess we should actually get to work and uh, uh, bring Wait, Valerie on. Wait. Do, do you think there will ever be a Daredevil episode where you'll have him watching described video and having it being described while he's watching described video? <laughs> or do you think that would create a paradox within the universe and implode? That's something to think about. Oh, I know, right? Steve's deep thought of the day. That is a pretty, that's a deepitude if I've ever heard it. Should send that idea to Stan Lee. There you go. See what he's Netflix. Mm-hmm. That one's free, Stan. <laughs> it's one for you. Let's, uh, let's bring on Valerie and uh, let's uh, chat her up. Valerie! So, Valerie Hunter is a voiceover artist and producer of audio description for dozens of TV shows in Canada and the U.S., and she produces a weekly podcast at Movies for the Blind, where she provides audio descriptions for various public domain films. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well. This is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. It's Valerie. I'm going to have to switch my headphone over to the laptop because I'm a goof and I should have known that I would hear you through that. <laughs> <laughs> but there I, we go. I've got two colleagues with me here today. I've got Steve Barclay. Hello. And Hi, Rob. Steve. Rob Bonneau. Hello. Hi, Rob. You both sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first so person to tell us that. Hello, you and you and also you. That is just fine. <laughs> yeah. we, we try and keep people confused. That way we have plausible deniability when we say something. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think that was Steve that said that, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve yeah, I'll, I'll, just leave, I'll just leave you all to fight over your own identity. <laughs> I just brought my mic out for this, which I don't usually do, which is why I was confused about the thing. And um, so just want to check that it, you're, you're coming in loud okay? and clear. Yeah. yeah, you're coming in great. Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah, as you can probably tell by that by that initial move, um, I'm only as much of a techie as I can possibly be just <laughs> to get stuff done. So... Yeah. Well, you're on Skype and you sound fine, so awesome. you did well. <laughs> just for just for future reference about like you know tech type stuff. Um, but it's more about the content than it is the means of distribution with me sometimes. <laughs> oh, so we're, we're just like that. about that sort of thing. We're like that all the time here. If you could see our setup, ah, stop. <laughs> bubble gum and band-aids, cables everywhere. You can talk, you can talk a good game then. That's right. Mm. <laughs> well, that's just what we do. That's right. Uh, so just, cool. a, just a, okay. a small brief preamble, uh, before we get mm-hmm. started, uh, we of course, Obviously, we we heavily edit the podcast, so no worries. On Lovely. It's, it's not a live thing. You don't have to be <laughs> on all the time. Feel free to curse, whatever. Cool. Um, oh, you mean I feel free to curse? Um, it'll be on the podcast, or feel free to curse? It'll get cut out. Well, we we like we like depends to use bleeps. It, it depends on how creatively okay, you curse. I think more than anything. Yeah, if it's really yeah, creative, we might keep it. Yeah, yeah, if you impress us, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to let that throw me off, that kind of, pre- <laughs> that, that kind of pressure. But, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. <clears throat> uh, what else? What, else? What, what else do we usually say in our preamble? I think that's about it, right? That's, yeah, that's pretty uh, much. That's the only important part. We're very casual. We're just, it's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're, not, we're not professional by any means. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, no, you guys by, aren't. By I, any, I, any I means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going along with you. I'm not going to say yes or no. These I guys mean, started drinking a few hours ago, no, so. That's okay. not true. Right so, so, so then you are professional. Yeah, that's, so. right. <laughs> that's right. How do you think Hollywood operates? That's ah. We're no good if we're not lubricated. <laughs> Again, whatever helps the content. That's right. Oh, that's right. My. Content is king. That's right. Mm. Everything else is secondary. That's right. 
Um, well, uh, Valerie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for asking me to be on. Uh, well, you know what? Let's uh, let's just roll out the time machine and start right from the beginning, and just maybe just tell us <laughs> how the heck did you did you start on on down this road? <laughs> what 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 brought you into you know the the world of of described video? Okay, um, I, I I come from radio. Um, I did that for couple of decades, um, basically right before high school or even before that. And um, so somewhere around um, the mid-90s, oh, by the way, I'm from the United States. I'm originally from uh, Cleveland in Northeast Ohio and, uh, and then moved up um, to Toronto to go to university and then to be here. And, which I'm, I'm in Toronto right now as I'm speaking to you. And, um, and got back into radio after uh, university and bouncing around uh, Ontario. And uh, at some point when I was in Barrie in about 95, I, um, I discovered on the TV something called voice print, which is now uh, AMI audio or part of AMI audio. And uh, I was like, oh, wait, there's a volunteer thing where you go and you read articles aloud. And reading aloud was the one thing that I thought that I could do better than anything. So um, I went, oh, well, there's a thing I can volunteer for. So um, I volunteered, I auditioned and volunteered as a volunteer reader uh, for National Broadcast Reading Service, Voice Print, and uh, did that for more than a few years. Had a great time. Um, Worked with some terrific people, uh, including a lot of them, uh, a lot of uh, with uh, vision impairments, and um, and got going a little bit of producing as well, and uh, and also filled in for other jobs when people would take off, um, like copy editing. And I and a friend of mine who was a copy editor who chose the articles back in the day before the internet, um, she left, and I was thinking I might wanna scam her job because my radio career was starting to come to an end by that point. And so I asked the big wig there, um, hey, are, are you got somebody to go in for her job yet? And he said, well, yes, actually, we've got somebody. And he's still there, And but he said, um, but didn't you used to be in radio? Yeah, I used to be in radio. So uh, he said, um, well, uh, we have this thing down the hall <laughs> um, that you might want to look into. And so I went down that hall that I hadn't been down before, and it was Audiovision Canada, uh, which is this described video part of AMI, and uh, or was, and discovered this whole world. I, I am excited. I, I, up until getting to NBRS, I hadn't really worked... Uh, or been with or hung out with for any long period of time. Um, uh, anyone who was visually impaired, you know, I was just a, you know, dumb-sided person like probably other dumb-sided people and didn't know this existed and um, I, I it was term, this whole new world. I, I prefer the term retinal chauvinist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I know. Um, and it was, and got started out with production and so sat in on sessions and started, you know, placing things to where they were supposed to be um, when describing a, a film. And then that worked up to, um, um, that eventually worked up to directing, because uh, I was writing shotgun with the producer the whole time anyway, 
who was directing at the time. Then I took over and then of course we kind of looked around and went, well, wait a minute. I am a voice artist, which I am. That's the other thing that I, I, I do is, uh, you know, do commercials and that kind of thing. And, um, so when I tried this and so I did and started doing that and then that steamrolled into, uh, eventually becoming, um, production manager and running the thing and then writing. And, um, so that was that. So talk about stepping in the time machine. Um, that whole span from deciding to go down that hall, uh, you know, to when I walked out of there, uh, to go independent, you know, that was about, it's about seven or eight years. Um, so that was quite a bit of a learning curve. And so I've been doing it independently ever since. So it sounds like you're, you've sort of done every aspect of, you know, audio description, you know, from writing to producing, directing, and actually doing the voice talent. What's the, Mm -hmm. what's the most challenging for you? Um, I think it's starting to write um it's the typical well f- one thing you know doing the um, the voice work something i've been doing since <laughs> since forever um so that's not quite as big a deal although there are there are definitely different muscles you have to to work when you're doing uh, description um the writing was the last thing to come in to my skill set uh, through um it, that that was no accident because i think it's the hardest part um first you have you have to deal with what's essentially your blank page of even beginning what to say about um, this video you've been given and then knowing where to start. But over time, you start to learn um, certain uh, what what the priorities are. And um, what really helped me was the guy who basically taught me how to do this on the fly, uh, a guy named Mark Rosen, you know, he told me, you know, you're you're serving the story. You're you're helping the people who are telling the story. The people who made the film. Um, you're helping them tell their story. So while you can get overwhelmed by detail, uh, oftentimes uh, a film that has a lot of room to do description can be about as hard as an action film uh, with a ton of stuff going on, because you're like you know, where do I begin and where do I end? Um, and how do I make sure that this incredible 20 seconds of nobody talking, uh, doesn't just become somebody just prattling on endlessly about every single, uh, every single corner of the screen and boring the heck out of somebody. Um, so when you focus on the backbone, at least in terms of a narrative thing, not necessarily an instructional thing that kind of presents itself. Um, but in terms of a narrative thing, um, if you have that backbone of a narrative and you, and you remember that, you know, the sound takes care of a lot of stuff, you're helping, you're not, you're not leading the charge. You're, you're assisting somebody. So, um, well, getting started is the hardest part. Uh, I guess that's true for anybody, uh, in anything, um, once, once I get going, it's, kind of okay it's it's just the getting started that's the hardest 
is do you have to take like say tone of a scene into account when you're when you're doing the writing absolutely you may have you may have noticed uh in times that you've you guys have uh have uh, taken in some uh audio description that uh sometimes tone is not taken into account right. at least in terms of delivery um but oh yeah absolutely um another thing i was taught was um, you are the best audience uh, this film could ever have. Um, what we do, what I learned from, is to sort of be the best possible version of that, you know, classic situation where um, uh, someone who's uh, vision impaired goes to a movie with a sighted relative or a friend, and they're, you know, leaning on their shoulder going, you know, what what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening now in the back of the theater. And, uh, and the person, you know, says, Ooh, that was, there, that was there. Um, we're like the ultimate version of that, I hope, um, ideally. And so that person who is, you know, that sighted, um, that sighted companion is reacting to the film. That sighted companion is not the film. Um, they're not an actor, they're reacting to it. So there's this one level down uh, in terms of tone uh, relative to to a film. I mean, you can be, you know, you can't go, you know, too nuts with that because it starts to distract from what's actually happening. And that's the last thing you want to do. That's when you have totally failed is when you is when the no, there's two ways that you can fail in description is one, if you've distracted the 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 person, the audience from what's going on and when you have the audience asking what's going on because you just should have answered that. Um, so the tone in writing um, kind of has to, I believe, has to make it as easy as possible for the voice person to affect what they need to affect in reacting to the piece. So uh, old-timey film will have relatively old-timey language uh except if you know there's language that's just too specialized that again distracts a person from what's going on <clears throat> and um and you know if something's a bit more casual and modern you know you do that and uh if there's a lot of swearing and a lot of profanity maybe you do a little bit of that but only in reference to what they're doing Right. Um, you just, you take the, in writing and in voicing, you take the lead of the original piece. So yeah, I think tone is really important to that. So it seems to me in a lot of the, the stuff that I've, I've watched, um, mm -hmm. one of the real challenges has to be, I mean, you can, you can have a, a room that say that you have to describe, mm -hmm. but then if you only have say six seconds to describe yeah. that before a piece of dialogue sort of comes in. I mean, do you, do you sort of, are you constantly adjusting the description to, to fit sound effects or to, to fit a dialogue that you don't want to step on? Um, yeah, constantly. Um, over the years that I've been working on this, it's really weird that it becomes easier 
to do that than it would think than one would think. Um, some people ask me sometimes, you know, when you're watching a movie like as a as a civilian, <laughs> as a describer, do you do you get description going in your head? And um, and uh, thank God, not all the time. But um, but yeah, sometimes. And so when I first watch something uh, that I'm going to work on, um, that sort of that engine in the back of my head starts going and you're sort of thinking in terms of how how much of a gap you think you're going to you're going to have. And weirdly, more often than not, it ends up working. What you what my first instinct is, what needs to be said. In that space of time and um certainly there are plenty of times where you go oh oh crap that thing happened way faster than i that i needed it to um so if you're it, so to use your example if you're describing a room and you have you know so many seconds to do it um it's back to the story what relevance does this room have have we been in this room before um whose room is it um what is it relative to the previous scene? Um, what are we going to come back to it? Because there are some times when, um, if there are details you kind of want to take care of in terms of the room that you don't have time to do in that scene, maybe you'll have another chance later um, and kind of weave it in then. Um, same thing with people, you know, um, what's important are the initial identifiers of a person. Um, first we'd kind of rely on their voice and, and then anything, anything significant that would distinguish that person from the other people in a person's head. Um, and then you can go for detail, a little more, um, non-essential details, but that are good for the character, good to get the character going in a person's head. Um, then you can go for those. If, you have time. You don't have to do everything at once, I believe. Um, what's most important to the story at that time is the most important. And then you can kind of, more often than not, you can kind of fill things in more as you go. So what was the last show you worked on and how long did it take you to do? Um, right. I did, a, I did a Hallmark movie that I just did over the weekend. Um, I, the, I'm continually doing stuff. Um, I, uh, I have an ongoing role as, um, as a description writer, uh, for the DCMP, um, describe and caption media program associated, associated with, um, the association for the deaf in, uh, South Carolina. And we do all of these different, um, educational, uh, films of all kinds of different lengths. So right now I'm doing a, a bunch of, a huge series, a ton of episodes of this, um, of this news program for, for kids who are like 13 to 16 years old with a bunch of little stories in them. And it's very kind of straightforward, um, just kind of keeping track of, you know, who's talking and stuff. Um, but this lifetime movie I just worked on 90 minutes while these little things are like, you know, little three minute segments, this 90 minute thing, um, you know, that had, long periods of, of no dialogue with like people doing sneaky stuff basically. And so I have to keep track of that. And then there are little action scenes and I did a little bit of that. And so that 90 minute thing took, 
I was also juggling it with a couple other projects, um, but that took about to write. Uh, it was about four days or so. How many times did you watch that? Oh, um, be honest, it was just to to write it, and for that one, I I, I did I did just write it um, twice. Um, I get to the point where. I've gotten to the point now after doing this for, for this long that I'll, I'll watch something all the way through and then I'll start watching it while writing it. So, um, what I had said earlier about, um, kind of the little engine going through my head, you know, coming up with description kind of on the fly while I'm watching something, um, that will happen the, the first time I watch something cold, um, that I have to work on. And those things stick in my head. I could write them down, but I don't. And they come up the second time I go through it. And then that's start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And that's where all the time takes is in that part of the process. Right. Mm. Is there any genre that you really don't like doing that you find more difficult? or? <laughs> Considering what I said about um, uh, about sometimes how films with a lot of space um, to describe are can be as hard as uh, ratatat action movies. Action movies are still harder, um, and probably probably the hardest. I'll tell you what. What, what might be even harder is um, I've had to do um, various instructional things and also some other some other um, TV movie type things um, that involved sign language. <laughs> And um, so I don't have to, you know, the, the people are doing, while the people are doing sign language, there are um, also, you know, things are being captioned and, and whatever. Uh, so I don't have to, um, I, the, the, the responsibility of describing the sign language or translating isn't entirely on me, but to be able, especially when I, I had to do a series of uh, films that were uh, sign language versions of children's books, and the pictures of the children's books were being shown, and while the the sign language was going on, and the the interpreters, the people doing the sign language were, um, as the best ones are, very expressive in what they were delivering, and so, uh, but sometimes I had to actually describe the the sign language that they're doing and it's and that was like oh this goes to here this finger goes over there and how much do you do all, all you really do is is come up with the most basic thing kind of in terms of what they're doing and to be able to connect a certain um movement or gesture to what's being said i guess is really the best i could do in that situation so so that was probably the most difficult in a completely different situation than you would normally think. Um, but things that where there's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. Um, once I had a fight scene that where like three different fights were happening on three different floors of a building. Ugh. Um, there's also things that are incredibly abstract. Like um, I did this really long uh, DVD that was amazing that was instructional for women who are going through pregnancy um, 
not getting into anything super gross here, but um, there was some point, there were points throughout the whole thing that would show ultrasounds at certain months. And no one would say anything. They would just show it. And so you have, especially in the early months, you know, you've got these blobs basically <laughs> and 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 kind of and and have you know about 15 seconds to say something and i'm like fetus. okay it looks like a lizard i'm not sure what it is yeah yeah it's like there's there's something going on there and i i don't think anything freaky's happening really um but uh but how do you do that because it's just kind of a bleh, um in a bunch of amniotic fluid that has you know, stuff in it going around. Um, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. <laughs> and it worked out okay. So yeah, so it's basically when you have a lot of detail and when you have very little detail. It's it's those extremes that make it hard. My absolute favorite thing to describe because I'm a really lazy person are courtroom dramas because <laughs> they're very stagey and they have a lot of talking. And you just kind of sit back and let them talk. <laughs> law and order. Yes. I like the order more than I like the law. <laughs> now, I, I saw you had an example on your website of uh, uh, Stargate. Did you work on? Yes. Uh, did mm. you do a lot of the Stargate stuff? Um, back at Audiovision Canada, uh, we did two seasons of, at least two seasons off the top of my head, of Stargate SG-1 and season one of Atlantis. So that was a while back. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was fun. Um, because, you know, I mean, it, it's great. And that good core uh, group of people with distinctive voices as well. So it's hard, kind of hard to mix them up. And, um, and kind of, you know, you know how you know how it works. We have stuff that you know is filmed in uh, filmed in BC. I mean, you could yeah. be all sorts of different worlds, and and they all kind of look kind of foresty. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but that yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that one stood out for me because a buddy of mine uh, was one of the uh, stuntmen on that show for for years. He was uh, oh cool the, the stunt double to the character Tilk. Oh nice, yeah, yeah, in inevitable. Talking you guys out in the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so have you done much in the way of live describing? Mm. Um, not a lot. Um, Cause, cause what I sounds, oh, okay, go ahead. Well, no, but it's, it, it sounds like it's, it's a real specialized set of skills. It yes, is. absolutely is. Um, and, uh, they are not often my <laughs> set of skills. <laughs> um, I, but I, I do have, uh, I do have friends of mine who, who have done it. One of them, uh, JJ Hunt recruited me a couple of years ago to help him out on, um, describing, uh, the pride parade in Toronto. Right. And, uh, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, over a million people come and massive, huge, spectacular, um, parade. And so I was like, well, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of experience doing this. And he was like, yeah, I know, but I think you could, I, I, I think you could do it. And so we, uh, and so we practiced, um, on some, you know, old videos of previous parades. And, uh, he just kind of showed me how it kind of goes and, uh, you know, that 
and basically, and again, it, you're not taught, there's no narrative at all. And um, you're just taking things on as they come. And people make whatever significance they want out of them. And it's even harder to uh, try to pick out, you know, what, what details to bring out and what details not to bring out, or do you say everything or do you say select things? Um, when you still, um, risk overwhelming, uh, somebody with every single little thing. Um, and then it goes by before you've gotten to every single little thing. So it is relatively similar in that you do have a time constraint, but, um, as it turned out a couple days before, the actual event, uh, my friend uh, broke his leg oh, and said, um, I'm really sorry, but I, you're going to have to do it on your own. Ah! Oh, no. um, and I was, ah! Uh, so, but I was like, okay. And, uh, but I went anyway. Uh, and, uh, you know, th there was like this tent, there is every year, this tent and, and, and people come and they know that, that's where the live description is going to be and and just went for it and uh the parade was four hours oh i i swear to god it felt like less than two it went so fast and it was like my biggest concern in that case was making sure i had the language right you know you kind of don't want to mislabel anything um that's representing anything very specific and um, but I got that language down I don't think I made anybody mad and um, and yeah kind of took on everything and it was awesome um, the most recent version I had of that sort of was I went to the women's March on Washington oh, wow. and um, and part of it was I was um, volunteering at the ADA tent uh, the Americans for Disabilities Act uh, tent and uh, as they had a really great um, team of uh, volunteers who were um, assisting uh, people of all disabilities and there was a big area next to the stage that was allotted specifically for people with disabilities and there were security guys like making sure everybody else stayed out and I got in um, eventually because the crowd was ridiculous insanely huge and uh, I got to help out people um, in terms of what was going on on the stage and um, you know what what is that noise going on and over there in the crowd oh it's this person doing this thing um, and getting to describe some signs which was fun and so that was and so that was pretty cool as well so I, I've been in these very specialized very large um, situations, uh, doing a live description and I being able to pull it off, but, um, improv is not one of my best skills. Um, my, the way I usually do stuff is observing things, writing it down and reading it. Um, but people with, uh, with a bit higher acting skills and improvisational skills, um, uh, people who have experience, uh, doing, something like sports play-by-play, -play, which is kind of the original live description, sort of. Um, they're well more suited uh, f for that than me. 
And uh, yeah, it is a it, it is a slightly different it, it is slightly different skill set in term well it's fair skill set in terms of not having as much uh, information to start with, although having some, um, not having that much information to start with, and then been, being able to perform um, in the moment, and uh, and then still have those priorities that we have for description still in mind at the same time. So it's it's a whole other kettle of fish there. And I, I really respect the people who do it on a more regular basis and, and getting into actually doing it definitely earned them my respect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny, we uh, we have an organization here on the lower mainland called Vocalize who- Yes, yes, I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, and part of their, what they do every year is they help uh, describe we have a big firework festival in August. Yes, right. Every yeah. year, and they describe fireworks. Yes, uh, I've I've heard I've I've heard other organizations doing that. It's amazing, and it's back to how you know how hard it is to describe something that's relatively um, abstract. Um, so yeah, I have total respect for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you this, having been in the field for as long as you have been, um, how have you seen it evolve? Like, do you, do you, is, is the field growing at the moment? Uh, short answer, yes. Uh, um, uh, Netflix was huge. And of course, um, it took a lot of advocacy, and a lot of pestering by a lot of really great, great people um, to get Netflix to understand the market and that it was uh, good for them to um, get more audio description happening. Um, but once that did happen, um, it, it feels like some floodgates have opened, um, certainly in terms of digital. And and then um, and then that has effects on everybody else because Netflix is so ubiquitous now that you know before that iTunes sort of had described stuff but they were kind of dragging their heels and then it was the rights in all the other countries and blah 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 and um, but they snapped to pretty soon after the Netflix thing and they're kind of running to catch up. Um, and in terms of broadcast, eh, it's going okay. Uh, it's getting a little better all the time and getting better still all the time. The more that broadcast integrates its content with, with digital. Um, CBC, um, we Canadians uh, can talk about our public broadcaster for a second. One of the first, they, were, they were the first broadcaster in Canada to, to do this. Ages ago, even before I even started description, which now I think about it now seems like Stone Age. And it was kind of in terms of description. Um, and and so we go back to that, um, like even 20 years ago, with CBC basically working with um, uh, Audiovision Canada, providing description for the, the miniseries The Arrow, basically using not much more technically than duct tape and bailing twine. And then now, just yesterday, I was looking through um, recent episodes uh, I did of um, The Nature of Things, mm -hmm. a series on CBC for those who aren't Canadian. And um, 
and found that I, I already knew that you could have that description on demand was available on the CBC TV app, which they don't promote enough. But I found out just yesterday, just looking it up for the heck of it, that they now have it on the actual desktop site as well. Nice. Um, it's on the player, you press the D that's next to the CC button and boom, there's my voice. Um, or somebody else's voice, fine, whatever. <laughs> um, but, uh, so that wasn't there last year. Um, so I think the Netflix effect is huge. And uh, I think it's led to a ton of stuff. And most importantly, I think it led to a raising of the profile of description uh, so that sighted people know it exists and and people who aren't sighted know it exists to be able to demand it. But I mean, I've been at this so long and so many of us in the community doing this stuff and in, in, in the accessibility community, you know, we think so much of this is so freaking obvious and and you keep running into people going, oh, I never thought of that before. And and you run into um, and you run into people who are blind saying, "This is the first time I heard that this existed." And you're like, "How did it? No, it just still it the work continues in getting people to know that this exists." So Netflix did so much for that. They really did. This is Ryan, and I'm totally blind myself. Right. And okay. just hearing about the CBC uh, app mm. having descriptive um, is is awesome, but yeah. one of my biggest concerns is <laughs> why is this not announced publicly to all the vision impaired groups or CNNB newsletters yes. or something? Like yes, we still you. don't yes, know, I know enough I about this. Absolutely, no, I know. I, um, I'm trying to think. Where did I? Oh, I I didn't even know the T. I, well, I knew the TVO. That's that's our public broadcaster in Ontario, specifically for those who don't know. Um, that TVO has um, stuff described because I I've described a couple documentaries for them and and their commercials. Um, but it took having to run across a tweet from the CNIB saying, "Hey, there's this movie is on uh, TVO," and it was a movie that. I just I just did for DCMP. I didn't do for TVO. Back to the national, back to those country right things again. And um, so I went, oh, so somebody else, so somebody in Canada did that film as well. And so I went over to TVO and and um, there it is without the description. Yeah. Um, and 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 but then I think I eventually found it with. Um, so it's so I know it's it's it. It's so catch-as-catch-can still, which is just ridiculous um, in terms of uh, finding out what has what has description, what doesn't, and then what stuff that has description doesn't have pass-through and blah, all this mess. It's such it's still such a labyrinth for people to get through. It that, really is. No, I totally understand everyone's frustration about it. Oof. Oh, well, when we had descriptive video works on as well, I think they were mm. saying by this fall or next fall, everything in prime time is going to be described. But again, mm, there's right. there's no one place for us to find out what's described and when. Yeah, the best, mm. um, the closest we have to a best source, I guess, and again, this is just in terms of Canada, is is AMI. Yeah. Uh, they have their 
their listings. Um, I, I don't keep up with them on a regular basis, so it could be just me who thinks that the location of them seems to change from time to time. But um, but they seem to have the most extensive. There is also um, uh, the ACB site for the um, uh, audio description project. Um, they seem to be able to carry things in terms of um, schedules for uh, American broadcasters. Right. And um, they seem to be they seem to be okay with that. And it's it's an ongoing thing. I, I subscribe to their um, to their mailing list. Yes, those still exist. And it's a continual, you know, this show does, this show doesn't, this show did, this show didn't. And now does this, the item not getting a pass through in my, in my location, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, those two sources are, are the best I can, uh, I can possibly see about, uh, about a, a source that you can continually go to and be able to rely on. Um, in my experience in England is just been what I, has been digital television and of course I see it, but the listings are there all the time. Uh, there's, I don't know of one source, um, where people can go to that lists everything. I think it's in part because more stuff is described there is been my, is been my experience. And, um, and also the digital broadcasters have more commercials about it. it I found every, t I were, I, I lived in England for about three years, three years, three months, sorry. And, um, every time I turned on the sky box, that was, that's their digital the set top box thing. Um, they started, the machine started with a commercial about how audio description is available. I'm like, ah, why don't we have that at home? Yeah. Um, so, you know, your mileage may vary all over the world. But, um, yeah, the inconsistency in promotion is is extremely frustrating. <laughs> yeah, ideally, you know, audio, audio description just needs to get to the point that closed Close captioning, captioning is, is yeah. now. You yes. Know, where it's just assumed. And you know that you, you know that we're about, you know, we've always been about 20 years behind um, <laughs> closed captioning. So hopefully we all live that long. <laughs> Fingers but, crossed. But 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 I gotta but I gotta believe with the digital stuff, and um, the means of technology for people to communicate with each other about what's available, um, whether actual organizations do it or not. Right. Um, I think it's gonna. I think the raising of the profile and knowing what's available is going to move a little bit faster than it's been. I hope at least. Yay. Mm. Fingers crossed. Yep. Um, so have you noticed a, a real uptick in demand for your services in the past few years? Uh, yeah. my The uptick that I've gotten is in the variety of sources, of um, the variety of clients. Um, used to be just – I used to be just Canadian broadcast. And then um, – that sort of diluted because while the need, while the desire for it grew and the mandate for it was demanded, um, 
describe video as you might have from describe video works describe video is is um, a certain amount of it is a condition of license for broadcasters um, through the CRTC um, the federal regulator and the FCC in the states to a lesser extent but who knows what's going to happen there um, but uh, there's been more of a demand and so there have been more providers that have popped up um, so that has started to dilute a little bit where I get more demand is, uh, for digital videos, um, for educational videos, for, um, um, government agencies, uh, who need that all that alternative as part of what they provide in their websites, in their videos, et cetera. Um, I've gotten more in the last year, I've gotten more requests from universities in the United States um, to help provide um, audio description um, for uh, vision impaired students so they have um, equal access in universities. Yeah. Why that just happened now, I don't know because that's been the law for a long time, but. Um, I guess it's more of the top of mind thing and more of a demand thing, uh, knowing that it's something that can be demanded. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been more of a, and I did a, a music DVD, a year or two ago. So it's been, it's been more the variety of, of people coming to me than it's been the quantity, which, you know, I'll take it, whatever comes. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the podcast because you have a podcast yes. that's called uh, Movies for the Blind where you yep. uh, audio describe uh, public domain movies. Uh, tell right. us a little bit about it and, and how that started up. Um, that started when I decided to leave Audiovision Canada. Um, the situation kind of came around to where... I decided it was it was best to kind of take the chance and and go out on my own. And one of the first things I wanted to do while getting that going was to start doing a podcast. One of the things that Audiovision Canada did was something called Audio Cinema, um, which was somewhere along the line somebody said, "Why don't we take these movies and just make them audio only and put them on a cassette?" Back then. We had audio cassettes that um, you just play in your car. In other words, a movie like an audiobook, which is what I kind of say for movies of the blind, uh, for the blind too here. Um, and so while we were doing that, um, and I had started being a podcaster otherwise um, during the first wave in the mid 2000s and um, doing other things. So it was always in the back of my mind that this could be something that could be delivered digitally by subscription and I'd suggested at the odd time but it was like you know things to do blah, blah, blah. Um, rights and stuff and uh, so when I decided to go out on my own I was like no really I really this is a thing I'm I, I am capable of being able to do this um, so the purpose was uh, in part to keep my chops up because I was going out into this great new world of having to, you know, drum up business on my own. And, um, and also to raise the profile, hopefully, of description um, to people who were cited, because 
as I had said, almost cornily, um, you know, when you're listening to an audio podcast, you know, everyone is blind. You're, you're just, it's just audio. So, um, so whether you're, you actually can't see or, or you're, you know, you're busy driving a car, um, you still are leaning on listening to it. So I went, well, I might as well do this. So in 2007, something like that, late 2007, um, I started movies for the blind and, um, decided to serialize it. So instead of, um, instead of one movie per episode, uh, it got broken up into, um, half hour chunks. And also, of course, public domain, so wouldn't have to ask anybody for rights and stuff. And would also get that material from the Internet Archive, from archive.org, um, maybe because that's the easiest. Right. I could put stuff back up there. So I, I was taking and then I was giving back. And, um, and to also, you know, promote those guys because they certainly are more than worthy of being promoted any chance to get. And um, so off I went. And, uh, it was really fun and I did, uh, 300 episodes. And then when I got up towards 300, um, my work, my paid work was starting to overwhelm my schedule. Um, whatever, um, intentions I had for the podcast in terms of, um, keeping my skills going and in sort of promoting them. Um, it worked like a charm. That's how I got my gig with the DCMP is I, there was a guy down there who was running the description, um, part down there who was a fan of my podcast and he contacted me on Twitter and went, Hey, I really like your stuff. Uh, really like your podcast. Um, I don't suppose you're able to, to like work for us or anything, would you? And I said, because they're, they are associated with um, the Department of Education in the U.S., I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am a dual citizen. I am a U.S. citizen. So if you have any uh, problems there in terms of working with the government, I'm still your girl. And off we went. And um, so then fast forward a few more years, and between that work and the other work I was getting, I mean... Uh, putting up the podcast episode, you know, went from being on Sunday night to being on Monday night to being on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. And I was like, no, this isn't, this, this isn't working anymore. And by the way, let's look back. I'm about to do 300 episodes. <laughs> so, uh, I decided it was time to, um, to pull the plug on it, but I knew for all that time that, you know, there were tons of people who had not heard probably the first half of that whole series, much less the last 10 or whatever. So I came up with the idea of rerunning them all. Um, going back to the very beginning, uh, crossing my fingers that it did not sound technically horrible and it didn't <laughs> entirely sound technically horrible. So it was good enough for me to, to start again. And, um, and also to kind of catch in with the fact that, you know, back these things started 2007, 2008, you know, podcasting was a very different landscape, uh, than it is now or like a year or two ago. And so there were so many other means of, uh, promotion to play with and so many more means of transmission. Um, so many more, what we used to call podcatchers. 
um, that they don't call them anymore. Uh, so I started from from the beginning and started rerunning them, and it's been it's been very fun. I'm, I've uh, gotten to episode one thirteen now, and uh, and still going. And there still might be a time when I'll do something um, original again. Um, I'm still, whenever I get a chance, which isn't terribly often, I do put up, um, I try to put up, um, describe video or video version of, uh, a movie featured in episodes and put it on YouTube. I have uh, a collection of those that are up. Um, so rerunning these, I'm doing these tweaks here and there all the time, um, that I hope give a little more value and uh kind of catch up with what a podcast audience expects now and um although i'm not actually producing them i do do little things at the beginning sometimes to kind of update what nonsense i might have said during the host things back in who knows when um it's it's nice to be able to revisit these things and know that in be uh, consoled with the fact that they're they're still okay, even though they go all the way back to 2009 now and onwards. Um, so it's been uh, it's been a fun thing to do, and it's uh, and because these are mostly old movies, I mean they're not time specific. I mean a classic is a classic is a classic. So people come back to them, and it's been right. nice that people have and that the audience has grown. Uh, well, so what else are you up to, and? Uh, where can people find you if they are interested in your work or if they're interested in the podcast, for example? Okay, well, the podcast is at moviesfortheblind.com. That is movies, F-O-R, theblind.com. And um, that has everything in a line with uh, associated, um, associated links with a little more information on uh, what I talk about in at either end of each episode. And uh, so that's there. Um, there's also a Facebook page, which I don't do a whole lot uh, on, but update sometimes. And it's a good way to go back and forth with people sometimes who have questions. Uh, on Twitter, I'm um, movie, uh, at Movies for the Blind, only it's a number four, Movies number four, The Blind. Um, fairly active on there whenever there are uh, questions, answers, updates, whatnots. Um, there is a YouTube channel as I mentioned, um, which is uh, Movies for the Blind or uh, Do It in Search. Um, let me see. As far as uh, me as a person who gets paid to do this, um, excuse me, my work site is uh, ValerieH.com. That is Valerie-H.com. And uh, that has some updates, although I really have to catch up on that. Uh, in terms of uh, my work and uh, also audio samples, video samples, mm -hmm. um, what I uh, need from a client in order to do work with them and uh, to contact me so I can do stuff for more people. Fantastic. And we'll make sure that we, we link to all that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thanks very much. That's great. Valerie, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for, for coming on and chatting. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. Again, thank you. Thank you guys very much for asking me. And yeah, had a great time. Thanks. Best of luck with everything. I think you're going to be a very busy lady in the in the in the future because I, I don't see anything but this industry really growing by leaps and bounds right now. 
Yeah, I agree. And I also believe you will, at least one of you will be very busy editing all that. Yeah, well, that's, that would be me. But <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, 300 episodes of a podcast. So, I mean, I think we're at, this is number this is 43. 43. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're whelps. You're very we are whelps. That's right. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> okay, Valerie. Take yeah, care. Th th thanks, th thanks again, guys, and yeah, take care, and I look forward to hearing it. Great. Okay, thanks so much. Good. See ya. See ya. Right. See ya. Bye. Excellent. That was that was good. I love those talkative guests. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You can just put your feet up and let the podcast go we'll on remote we, control. Absolutely. Next week we'll have longer mic cords so we can sit on the couch. Yeah. yeah, that's good, yeah. Good I think that that's yeah, the next investment. Yeah, these chairs are pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't really have other chairs. So, uh, okay, <clears throat> outro, outro, outro. Ah, that was super interesting. It was fabulous. Although we didn't ask her about described porn, but that's oh, we, yeah, we totally forgot the. Well, the you know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask the the question. You know, what's the oddest thing yeah. that you ever had to describe? But I, I feel like she answered that with the sonograms. Yeah, yeah. That I don't is, think it's going to get any weird, yeah. any odder than that. To Look, try you to... can see cell division. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was super interesting. I, she, it, I mean, this, it, it's well, the more it gets mandated, you know, the more we're going to have access to it. So, well, plus you think about the body of of uh, video work that's out there already, mm -hmm. and you know, if if people have a desire to access that. Um, there, there's a ton of retroactive work to do to, to bring that up. Absolutely. So. Well, there is, and I know that there's a there's a really large community of people um, in the in YouTube in particular who do nothing but uh, help with closed captioning for for different YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Hmm. I I kind of suspect that you know maybe that will happen for audio description as well, where you'll just have people who will you know donate their time or whatever and do audio description of say YouTube content in particular you know content that's obviously not part of a, a larger organization who would have um, that would contract that work out I wonder if some of it will be included though in the new YouTube subscription where they're going to be offering you know your locals plus the major networks there's going to be a YouTube TV channel right coming this, thought, this is summer it, isn't that already around like don't they have youtube red they do but there's a whole new thing coming it's about 35 bucks a month it's going to oh, really? be abc nbc cbs fox as well as your locals oh, and really? i'm wondering if that's actually going to be described content I, interesting I, I hadn't heard about that yeah they would probably fall under in canada at least under crtc rules You'd and have to have a certain amount amount yeah, yeah. i'll be something to keep an eye on too mm -hmm. uh hey ryan rob where can people find us? In my basement. <laughs> it's the guitar dungeon. It's not your basement. Right, your basement. sorry. Edit, edit, dungeon. edit. Yeah. The guitar dungeon. No, they can find us online at www.atbanter.com. And they can also email us at podcast. <sighs> at Episode 43, and he at, still gets it wrong. Hold on. Try hold it on. again. Let me think about this for a second. Gmail at podcast. No. Atbanterpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> it's can't get any easier. <laughs> what they said. What they said. 
Uh, they can also find us. Oh, wait, I'm, now I'm stealing your thunder. <laughs> Hold on, you go ahead. You tell, you tell them where else they can find us. Well, they can find us on the Facebooks and the Twitters, and shortly they'll be able to find fresh pictures of the Guitar Dungeon on Instagram. Woohoo! I am so excited. I've always thought Instagram was, uh, was uh, what happens when you tell your daughter to uh, <laughs> use the rhythm method. You used that joke last week, and I had to edit it out because I thought this might be too racy. But now, now screw it. I'm just leaving it. In. <laughs> Clearly, you want the internet to hear that joke. Sorry, I thought I'd done that in the car last time. <laughs> Excellent. Well, all right, then that's going to do it for us. I have been Rob Minow. I have never been Rob Minow, but I have occasionally been Steve Barkley. And I am still Ryan Flurry. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Music provided by bensound.com.